This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Open with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read verses 6 through 8. This is Paul in his letter to Timothy. And he says, starting in verse number 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So it's obvious here that Paul is bidding farewell. It's like a letter where he says, I see my time is coming to an end, but I want to let you know, I fought a good fight, and I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Again, to hear these words, just that in itself, to be able to mouth these words at your exit, to me that is peace. To be able to say when I'm leaving, I finished my course. Amen. I, I, I don't know if that hits you like it hits me, but I want to be able to say that in that day. I want to be able to look at the end of this present life for me, where I'm about to enter into eternity, and be able to say before I leave you, I fought and I finished. Amen. And, and then that gives me the confidence. There's a crown laid up for me. And when you say that, what you want to do is you want to charge those that are left behind. You need to finish too. You want to have that same confidence leaving that Paul has. So we want to use Paul as our example to find out about finishing. And so I entitled this, I Have Finished My Course. Now when he says finished, and you're going to have to excuse me because I want to get to a certain place so I will not be too slow in the review. So you have to forgive me for it right now, but I'll let you know. I'm going to move a little bit faster than your note-taking might be able to keep up with. So when he says finished, he's not talking about barely got by. Like, whoo, I think I made it into heaven. I think that last good deed got me in. No, he is saying that he carried it out to the fullest. He completed what he had in an excellent manner, in a Christ-like manner. See, because you don't say things like, I, I, I finished my course, when, you, when you're wondering. You know, when you have your tests, and you're not so sure about your answers, and the test is over and you hand it in, there's a little bit of doubt in you. I think I did all right. No, no, Paul was saying, I finished my course. I, I did what I was supposed to do, and I did it the way I was supposed to do it. That's finished. And that's what we're after. We are finishers, people. We are born of Him. We are born of God. You are born to be a finisher. You're born again to be a finisher. And in order to finish, we said this. And it sounds funny when you first say it, but the more you hear it, the more you meditate on it, the more it makes more and more sense to you. In order to finish, you have to have something to do. You have to have something to do. <laughs> And then if you have something to do, you have to get started. And then once you get started, getting started is not good enough. 
you have to maintain. You have to continue. And then just continuing is not sufficient. Then you have to get to a point that, like Paul is, you have to get to a point where, hey, it's ready to be closed out. Or be, it is in solid condition to keep going without me. Amen. Solid condition. That is finishing. So you have to have something to do. After you have something to do, you have to get started. Then once you get started, you have to maintain. And after maintaining, you have to close it out. You have to bring it to a solid condition so it can carry on without you. But here's the thing about when Paul says, I finished my course. We want to know what my course is. What is my course? My course is a task given to me by God. And in God's mind, this is the thing I really want you to understand. It's the thing that must be done. And I want to remind you. There are a lot of things you can do. You better find out the thing that God considers must be done. Be ashamed to spend all your energy and all your time and then have God say, but I didn't tell you to do that. Do you hear me? A lot of us spend time doing what we want to do and not spending our effort doing what God says I need to do. Some of us spend time doing what others are commissioned to do and haven't taken time to hear God for ourselves about what I am supposed to do. Say amen if you're out there. You don't even have to agree. But Paul said, I finished my course. I didn't finish your course. That's not, that's not what Paul said. He said, I had a course and I had to finish my course. Dallas, you have a course and you have to finish your course. Now, let me tell you this about the course. There is work in his vineyard. Do you understand me? There's work in his vineyard. If you're sitting idle, he's got work for you. He didn't call you into the kingdom to be idle. He has empowered you by his spirit and by his grace. And don't tell me you can't finish. Don't tell me you can't put your hands to the work of the ministry. Don't tell me you can't serve him. He has a course for you. And it's a God-given task. It's not a mama-given task. Hallelujah. It's not a cousin-given task. It's not even a preacher-given task. It's a God-given task. And let me tell you, if mama and uncle and preacher know God, God will let them know about your course. But it's not for them to tell you what your course is. Hallelujah. It's a task given to you by God. And according to God's will, it is the thing that must be done. I can't emphasize this enough. To me, that is a powerful statement. The thing that must be done. So if you come to God with all your good deeds in the end of your days, but you have not done the thing that must be done, he will not be well pleased. I know people don't like to hear that. They just like to come in and say, feed me. But can we feed God? And here's the thing about it. Because I want you to understand, we don't all have the same course, but every course comes under God's plan for redeeming man. And I've got I to calm myself down because I get excited at this point. Because the reason you're saved is because somebody was on their course. 
Somebody was on their course. And if they had not been on their course, your salvation, your redemption would not have appeared. And so now being redeemed, why don't we work in his vineyard that others might be redeemed as well? Again, say amen if you're out there. Keep yourself awake if nothing else. So we don't have, all of us have the same course. But when it all comes to the end, it's all about God's plan to redeem man. You being on course makes way for somebody to get saved. Makes way for somebody to see the Lord Jesus Christ. Makes way for somebody's healing and restoration. If you're in place. So every course comes under God's single plan of redeeming man. Again, I want to emphasize to you, you don't have your neighbor's course. Your neighbor doesn't have your course. That means you have to hear from God for yourself. I want to tell you children, your parents might have a course. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's your course. You still have to hear from God for yourself. And so, because it's all about God's grand plan to redeem man, once you're finished, doesn't mean God is through. That's why we say, in order to finish, you have to be able to hand it down to somebody else who's able to keep it going, because God's not done. While it is still called day, there's work in his vineyard. He's still redeeming man. Again, I try not to get too excited here, but this gets me excited. I always think about the ark. And I think about how God held that door open for so long. But there was a time when that door had to be closed. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that God held that door open for me. The door is open now. But how does God get man redeemed? He works through man. You're, you are his agents. Amen. So just because you finished your course doesn't mean that God is done. You know, somebody went on before you showed up on the scene and were redeemed. Aren't you so glad that God didn't close the door because somebody had gone on before you entered in? I'm telling you, my God is a good God. He's a great God. And He is greatly to be praised. So I want you thinking now, Put this together with the things we've been hearing about spiritual warfare. Because what you need to understand is the enemy does not want you to finish. He just doesn't want you to finish. He wants to stop you from finishing. So the enemy looks to stop you at every phase. Mm, 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 mm. He doesn't want you to get started. And after you get started, don't think he's done. Oh, I give up. They started. Oh, then he wants you to quit. Hmm. And then when you have maintained, I mean, then when, once you got started and maintaining, then you get to the point where, you know, now I need to, he wants you so distracted that he wants you thinking it's all about you. And that the work of God stops with you. That if you can't get it done, it's not going to get done. Oh my goodness, this is ministering to me right now. See, because some of us try to hold on to positions. Just say amen because you're out there. Let me know you're alive. Some of us try to hold on to positions, hold on tightly. And then here, come, here comes somebody new to us. 
Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Go there, God. Here comes somebody. No, that's not new to us. We've just always known them as being younger than us. But you won't finish with the wrong attitude. And you'll think you'll hand God, see what I accomplished? And God said, yeah, but it's not carrying on. They have to start all over because you had the wrong mindset. So the enemy looks to stop you at every phase. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. You do have an adversary. He is an enemy. He is not on your side. And he's crafty. First Peter chapter 5. Verse 8. Yeah, this is a good scripture. Because he's crafty, here's what we need to be. We need to be sober. We need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, and I don't care how much you have it going on, how many good days you have behind you, I don't care how well you have been doing for the last umpteen years, you still need to be sober. You need to be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You know, here's the thing about the enemy. He's patient. He just looks for an opening. He says, sooner or later, you're going to give me an opening. I've been watching you long enough. You will give me an opening. And when you do, I'll be there. Amen. That sounds like a song, right? I'll be there. But, but he, he knows you're going to give him an opening. He's watching closely. That's why we have to be sober. That's why I have to be vigilant. Because he's on the prowl. So he's looking where along this path he can, stop, he can get you off course. He can prevent you from finishing. Now, in order to finish, we said, first of all, you have to have something to do. And remember, God has that under his sovereignty. So I wanted to emphasize to you, it's a God-given task. God has to give you something to do. Now, when I say something to do, I'm talking about, uh, we have, and those of you who don't know, you need to go and find the teachings, but there are gifts given to the church. There are perfecting gifts. There are protectional gifts. Uh, there are functional gifts. And there's work in this vineyard, and there's a work in there for you. Amen? And there's a work in there for you. Now, when I say have something to do, trust me, I'm not talking about the carnal stuff of the church. Say amen if you understand me. Again, I just want to make sure I'm not losing anybody. I'm not talking about the carnal stuff of the church. I'm not saying coming and coming and hanging up streamers. That's not what I'm talking about. Amen. That's not what I'm, I'm not talking about uh, coming and, you know, we need to have somebody pass out flowers on Mother's Day. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about we have a skit going on. We need somebody to sign up for the skit. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual work. I'm talking about people being able to see the Lord Jesus Christ and get a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? And so, God has that under His sovereignty. And remember, He is the ruler. Again, I'm just reviewing right now. But He is the ruler that gives according to your several ability. And remember, several ability pertains to your track record of faithfulness. 
Amen. Do you, do you hear me? You have to have a track record of faithfulness. God is not calling those who can't be faithful. And faithfulness does not show up in a week. Oh my goodness, did I say that? Faithfulness doesn't show up in a month. Faithfulness doesn't show up, you know when faithfulness shows up? When it gets uncomfortable. When it's not as convenient as it was when you first signed up. That's when faithfulness shows up. But he's going to give according to your several ability. So he's going to give assignments based off of your faithfulness. But remember, faithfulness is the key. As long as you be faithful, the course will come. I mean, I want to, I want to keep moving, but y'all, y'all are slowing me down. Don't slow me down. As long as you be faithful. What do I mean by that? Stop worrying about when your time is coming. Be faithful where you are. If it takes you 99 years, you just want God to say, I see your faithfulness. If you do it to get something, that's not faithful. You're trying to earn something and God doesn't work by debt. He works by grace. Amen? So when God calls you to do something, because in your faithfulness you have to have this assurance. He's not doing it by debt. He's done it by grace. I've done it all this time by grace. And now when he calls me to a work, you have to have experience with his grace. Amen. Glory to God. I'm telling you, the call never burns out in me. But I will tell you this. I remember the words God gave to me. I remember the words he gave to me. He said, you're ready. Now, I don't know about you, but God knows what to say and to who to say it to. But to hear that when you're just becoming aware of a call... He's saying, my grace. My grace. And so, be faithful. And then the course will come. And when the course does come, His grace is sufficient. But here's the thing. The enemy is going to try to dissuade you from being faithful in the least of the tasks. Amen. Glory to your name, God. Speak this message. Make it plain and make it clear to us. There's always an excuse you can't even do the carnal things. And the enemy will make sure there's always an excuse because he's been watching. He'll make sure that that which they're doing is during the time you have your favorite show on and you don't have a DVR. And the enemy's like, I didn't even have to work up a sweat for that one. But the enemy is looking to stop you at every phase. Or he gets you to think, oh, here we go. He gets you to think without your track record of faithfulness, oh, they want me to do that little thing. I need something big. But you haven't been faithful in the least. Give God some credit. See, the enemy is in your area. (laughs) When you think you have no track record of faithfulness, can't do the menial task, but yet want some big grand task. It does not work that way. Amen. Here's the thing about faithfulness, too. God is the one who gives according to the, the, uh, the several ability. That means, wow, this is... Have you ever been on a job 
and your managers change and your supervisors change? Have you ever been there before? Have you done such a good job and had a promise from one supervisor who then suddenly leaves? You have to start all over again with another supervisor because they haven't seen your work. Aren't you so glad that there's a God who gives out these assignments regardless of who is supervising at any given time or not? So whether or not anybody recognizes it, God is the one who's watching. God is the one who rewards. We said to finish, you have to have something to do again. First, be faithful. Wherever it is you can be faithful, be faithful there. Again, I want to make sure you understand this. And I don't want to bog down here, but what we do is we want to hear a big call from God to work in the gospel ministry when the call goes out from your local church to say, we need this person to do this, this person to do that. It's not spiritual at all. There's a chance for you to exemplify faithfulness. He watches the faithfulness of those who watch the children. He watches the faithfulness of those who come on a continual basis to clean the church and don't get the help they need. And no one may ever say anything. They may never say anything about what a good job you do. But God watches. Amen. And then one day he'll pull a David on him. David wasn't even invited to the banquet. And even Samuel was caught up with the mess. Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But here's somebody who's been faithful in the background. Brothers didn't recognize his faithfulness. Father didn't recognize his faithfulness. But there was a God who was watching. Now, you have to have something to do and then you have to get started. But there is no getting started without preparation. And again, I hope you're hearing these things, because these things we've been hearing. Before there's a move of God, there is there's a time of preparation. There is no getting started without preparation. So here we are. We're all ready for something to spring forth. But have you put your hands to the preparation? And preparation includes settling the issues. Again, these are, I know this is my terminology. I use it this way. It helps me. But it includes getting, settling the issues. When I say settling the issues, it means you're weighed down. And you need to get rid of the weights. You need to get rid of the things that are standing in the way of you getting started. And the nice thing about preparation is you can prepare before, you can prepare before there's even a game. You don't need to know what your course is to put your effort to preparation. You know if you're where you need to be with your relationship and fellowship with God. You know the things that are hindering you. Glory to God. Don't be too plain, God. Don't be too plain. You know why you don't come on a regular basis. Just say amen because you're out there. Help a, help a brother out. All right. Just because you're out there. You know why you don't come on a regular basis. You know your excuses for not coming on a regular basis. That's a weight. You need to settle that issue. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Bible says, let go of those weights. 
and that sin that does so easily beset you. We're talking about finishers. We're trying to find out how to finish. Now, if you don't care about finishing, you can walk out. Because all we're talking about is finishing. And if you don't care to finish, then don't pay any attention. But if you're looking to be able to say at that day, I finished my course, I want to show you how you get to that point. You've got to settle those issues. You've got to get rid of the weights. First Samuel chapter 16. And when I say this, what am I talking about? You need to stop spending your energy on the wrong things. You need to stop fighting fights that aren't really yours to fight. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. You need to stop going after that which is not going to do you any good. You need to stop hoping for that which you have no control over. First Samuel chapter 16. See, you're spending all your energy on all the wrong things. And then now what happens is because you're spending your energy on the wrong things, God seems to be a frustration to you. Oh, I know what I'm talking about. I know the Spirit of God is speaking right now. You are frustrated with the local church, but that's you being frustrated with God because you're busy chasing the wrong things. That dog is never going to catch that car. Just say amen because you're out there. You see dogs chasing cars, and the car is going to leave that dog behind, but the dog is still chasing. That's a waste of energy. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 1. I'm trying to go fast. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? God said, I'm through. Why don't you be through? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I need you to finish. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Why are you delayed here? I'm moving on. Now, now here's God's message to Samuel. Uh, I'm moving on. (laughs) Either you go with me, or I go without you. But God is moving on. Now, now, God's plan, again, God's plan is going to go on whether you're faithful or not. But he has an open invitation saying, I am ready to move forward with you, but I can't while you are weighted down. You've got to settle these issues. And Samuel is mourning about Saul, hoping Saul gets together, and God says, I moved on from Saul. The way it is might be the way it's always going to be. Say amen. The way it is, see, the thing is, you're discontent with the way things are. And you want to change to the way things are. But you've got to get to this point. See, Samuel was crying about Saul and hoping that Saul could get it together. God, keep working with Saul. And God is like, you know what? I'm through with Saul. So as much as you hope for the situation to change, God might be through with it. And you're going to spend all your days delayed with something God had been through with. Settle it. Go on. You have to make it up in your mind. There are things you can live without. There are people you can live without. There are relationships that you can live without. Wow. The enemy wants to get it in your head. You can't make it in your present condition. 
He wants to get it in your head. You can't make it in your present condition. Mm. Wow. I'm trying to think of how to say this. But you know what? Changes are going to come. And some changes aren't changes we wish for. But change is inevitably going to come. And that's the time you need to be a finisher. That's the time you need to get it in your mind that I will finish. And again, the enemy wants to get in your mind, I can't make it without so-and-so. I can't make it without that person. I can't make it without this. I can't make it without uh, this prestige or this job or whatever it is. And I hear God say to Sarah, when he was outside the tent, it's about the time of life I will visit Sarah and she shall have a child. And Sarah says, I can't make it in my present condition. And God said, "Uh, uh, excuse me, is there anything? too hard for God. But God, my, my life is in pieces. Is there anything too hard for He is the one who heals the brokenhearted. See, but you got to give it, you got to cast your cares on Him. Amen. See, you and your frustration with God have failed to come to God. And if you come to God, God can heal that which is broken. But the enemy has got it in your mind that nobody knows the trouble you're seeing. Nobody can understand the pain. That's the enemy. He doesn't want you to finish. Wow. Amen. Let me keep moving forward. Preparation includes... Settling the issues, it includes what I call taking aim. This means making Jesus Christ the center of your life. Because we found a principle. If you clear the way, but leave it empty, your ending state will be worse than your beginning state. So, we found that there's a principle that works in the body. We put off the old man... That we might put on the new man. <laughs> and so what we're going to do is, we're going to settle the issues, we're going to get rid of the weight, and now we have room for Jesus. We're going to make him our focus. He is going to be the light of our life. I, I'm trying to tell you, I, I just cannot emphasize this. I don't know what people are waiting for. I don't know what people are expecting. They think they're going to sit at home and suddenly, uh, just a big glop of God is going to fall on them and they're going to get everything right. No, you have to go after some things. No, you actually have to go to a place that God has said, this is the place you need to go to. You actually need to sit there. You actually need to receive. You actually need to go with them. You need to follow along with them. You need to follow the flow that God has ordained for you. You actually have to go do those things. And so it means I am going to make some people are regulars and they're regulars because they are filling up with Christ. That's all it's about. Some people show up just to be seen. 
others show up that they might know him. And God knows. Let's keep moving forward. I want to get to a certain point. Oh, no, no. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Turn there real quick. Philippians chapter 3. Verse number 3. Paul says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I'm more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. I let it go. He did not let those things define him any longer. He refused to allow those things to define his life. So he let them go. See, that's called settling the issues. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul, don't you want to get married? Yea, doubtless, and I count all things. But lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffer the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. I'm not just emptying myself, I'm emptying myself that I might win Christ. That's somebody who settled the issues. That's somebody who took aim. That's somebody who tells Timothy, I have fought a good fight and I have finished my course. You gotta clear the way for yourself. <laughs> And then you've got to make Jesus Christ the light of your life. And then, and there's a point I really want to get to. So preparation includes settling the issues. You've got to take aim. You've got to make Jesus Christ the light of your life. He has to be your centralized focus. And then preparation includes getting instructions. And preparation is not complete without instructions. Preparation is not complete without instructions. Now remember this, without instructions, the best you can be is a poor imitation. Amen. The best you can be, minus instructions, is a poor imitation. And we spent time talking about imitation and emulation, right? You see somebody being successful or doing something well, you want to do just as well as they do, so you just imitate them. And all you can be at that point in time is a cheap copy. Is a poor imitation. And I want you to know everybody needs instructions. Everybody needs instructions. You go back and one of the things, one of the scriptures we used was when Paul was was on the road to Damascus and was interrupted and was blinded, and what did God tell him to do? He told him to wait for somebody who's going to give him some instructions. So we all need instructions. And I want to make sure you realize, I don't care who you are, you don't know enough to go forward without getting instructed. I've been around church all my life. You don't know enough to go forward without instruction. You need instruction. And I don't care how seasoned you think you are, you are not so seasoned that you don't need 
any more instruction. And the thing we come across, turn to Romans chapter 10. I'm going to go here real quick, Romans chapter 10. The things we run across, especially with them who are, it's not even about being young. It's about being novices. There's a certain zeal. And let me tell you, I love the zeal. Let me tell you, I believe God loves the zeal. The zeal is not the problem. Romans chapter 10, verse number 1. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So he says, now they have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. Now, now look what God's testimony is of them in verse 21. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. These same people with zeal, he calls them disobedient and gainsaying. The issue is not the zeal. The issue is zeal without knowledge. And so people get really excited. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. And they think because we tell you to wait on instruction, we're trying to throw a wet blanket on your hotness. We want that hotness to continue, but we want it to be directed to where it's going to hit the mark. Do you understand me? Nobody's trying to block you. Nobody's trying to hold you back. We're trying to make sure that your zeal is according to knowledge. Again, just say amen because you're out there. Thank you. But the thing you need to understand is that you need to wait for guidance from those God has placed as your instructors. You need to wait for guidance from those God has placed as your instructors. And those instructors are going to be in the God-ordained place. Those instructors that you need are going to be in the God-ordained place that you need to get guidance from. And remember this. The enemy wants you in a mind that you walk alone. Amen. He wants you in a mind that you walk alone. And so what he wants to do is he wants to get you away from the God-ordained place. But here's the thing about it. He doesn't need you physically away. Let me say that again. The enemy wants you to walk alone. He wants you to get in the mindset of you walking alone. Right. So what he wants to do is get you away from the God ordained place, but he doesn't need you to move physically. You can be here and have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they're just not there? You can be here, but not be here. And the testimony of you not being here is you're not taking the counsel. So he doesn't need you physically gone. And what he wants you to do is get to the point where I call it despise godly counsel. And you may not call it despise godly counsel, but it's what you do when God gives you counsel and you reject it. That's despising godly counsel. So the enemy is working. Remember, he wants to stop you at every phase. And he understands that if you get instructions, then you'll know what you're doing. Then you'll have zeal according to knowledge. 
So he wants to interrupt that. He wants you to hear the counsel. He is, I, go ahead and hear it. But I don't want you to take it. Here we go. And here's what I love. The enemy does not fight fair. He doesn't fight fair. Because he wants to move you to reject godly counsel. And how he gets you, again, he's crafty. He doesn't use that person you don't listen to. He doesn't use that person you stay away from. He uses those that are closest to you. He works through those you have emotional and deep ties to. I'm talking about finishing. You have an adversary. Hmm. First Kings chapter 12. We went here. I'm not going to give it the extent I did before, but I want you to see this. First Kings chapter 12, because this is crucial. First Kings chapter 12. He doesn't fight fair. He doesn't use those that, you know, I don't, I don't listen to what they say, no way. No, he, he, he uses those that you care deeply for. That you're emotionally tied to. First Kings chapter 12. And we're talking about the son of Solomon. Rehoboam. In First Kings 12 and 1, it says, And Rehoboam went to Shechem. Or Shechem, excuse me. For all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it. For he was fled from the presence of King Solomon. And Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt. That they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke, which he had put upon us, lighter. And we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, then come again to me, and the people departed. So they said, Okay, you're about to be the king, and if you do this for us, we'll serve you. He says, You know what? Let me get some counsel. Three days, and I'll give you an answer. So verse seven, I'm sorry, excuse me, verse six, <coughs> excuse me. And the, pe- and the king Rehoboam consulted with the old men. Now, again, don't get caught up in age. Old men represents those who have experienced righteous experience. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old man that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived. Now this would be him getting guidance from those God has placed as his instructors. King Rehoboam consulted with the old man that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived and said, How do ye advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, if thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day and will serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted, not with people he doesn't listen to, consulted with the young men that were grown up with him and which stood before him. These he had ties to. Wow. And let me tell you, here's the thing about it. I want you to understand not everybody you have deep ties to is trouble. But some are. And I want to let you know right now, Rehoboam, 
is a bad apple out of this same bunch. That's the best I can describe it. They are all, they're bad to the bone. How can I, can I say it that way? They're bad in the head. Their advice is bad. Those who listen to their advice is just as bad as they are. Oh, glory to your name. You got some people you run with. Just say amen because you're out there. Well, I only run with church people. Okay. But in the face of the counsel of God and you reject it, whose counsel are you taking? Somebody has your ear. And he said unto them, verse 9, What counsel give ye that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now whereas my father did laid you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke, my father has chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. So Jeroboam, being a fool, I mean, not, not Jeroboam, but Rehoboam, being the fool he is, Jeroboam comes with all the people, and here's the fool Rehoboam, the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly and forsook the old man's counsel that they gave him. Oh, my goodness. Verse 14, And spake to them after the counsel of the young man, saying, My father made it your yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with a whisper, but I will chastise you with scorpions. I mean, he takes the counsel, doesn't he? To the teeth. Repeats the very same words. Verse 15, Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah the Shilonite, Unto Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Now I want you to understand this. God gives you a free will. God gave Rehoboam the choice between the godly counsel and the ungodly counsel. God, knowing that Rehoboam would be the fool that he is, spoke something before Rehoboam was on the scene. And knowing Rehoboam's foolishness, said, I know when I can bring it in. Because this fool won't listen to godly counsel. But why did he not listen to godly counsel? Because he had those there with him he was tight with. And he took their counsel over the counsel of those that God had placed to be his instructors. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 13. 2 Samuel chapter 13. And I want you to know though we're not Reading into that, but this, that was the break of the kingdom of Israel. <laughs> All because he refused, he despised godly counsel. And I know you don't call it that way. I, I know you don't, you don't describe that. At a, and, no, 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 I just thought I did what was best. No, you despise godly counsel. Second Samuel chapter 13. You know, let's start at verse. Let's start at verse 11. Let's start at verse 11. 
We'll read through verse 14. And when she, I know I brought you in the middle of this, but trust me. When she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me. For no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. And I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, speak unto the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit, he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. That is rape. That is straight up rape. Now, now I want to ask you this. Who gets the short end of this stick? She does. Because of whatever decision he made, she pays a penalty for it. She pays a price for it. Oh, that is so ungodly. And even before he embarks on it, you know what she says? She said, go talk to the king. Go talk to the authority. Let me give you some counsel. Now, I want to let you know who these are. The he is Amnon. The she is Tamar. And I, I, now I wanted to show you the end so we can go back to the beginning of the story and we can see what set it off. Verse number one. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But here we go. But Amnon had a friend. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm, I'm trying to show you the enemy does not fight fair. He does not use those things that you have no emotional ties to. He loves to use those things that you have emotional ties to. Those people you will listen to. Those people who have your ear. Now here's the thing about it. I, I want you to read this again in verse 2. Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister. Here's the thing about the enemy. The enemy roameth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't do it when you're strong. He waits till you're good and weak. Amen. And I know, I know, here, here, here's some... Knowledge to add to your zeal. You won't always be strong. Hallelujah. Glory to you. You won't always be strong. You think, man, I'm going to always be on top of it. I'm always having it together. I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy is waiting for you to drop your guard. And he knows when to bring it in. And if you're not sober, you'll have a friend who takes advantage of your weakness, who's really on assignment from the enemy to get you to make a bad decision. Because his friend, oh, let's read this. But Amnon had a friend. You know, and the friend knows when to show up. Just in the sick days, when you're at your weakest, that friend shows up. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, or Shemaiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Will thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother, Absalom's sister. And so Jonadab starts this scheme. And Amnon, again, Tamar's word, not mine, this fool, listens to his friend. 
when in all honesty, Tamar gave him some good advice. Why don't you go to the king? Because she knows what you're about to do, you definitely didn't hear from godly authority. Now here's the thing about it. You don't think anybody else is affected by your bad decision. Oh, glory to your name. You don't think anybody else is affected. Wow. You don't, you don't get this at all. So just like we read about Rehoboam and his bad decision, the whole nation suffered because of his bad decision. Oh, Tamar, this starts the whole ball to rolling of Absalom running David out of the kingdom and sleeps with his concubine in the presence of the nation. You think your bad decision does not have... Again, remember, your course may not be somebody else's course, but God is working on redeeming man. And when you get off course, somebody's going to suffer. Hmm. Remember Genesis 12. You don't have to turn there. But the Lord has said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. God was telling Abram to get away from those he was emotionally tied to. Those he had deep ties to. God had to get them, had to get Abram away from that influence. Why? Because God understands the enemy does not fight fair. Wow, glory to your name. Hallelujah. God says, if I can get you away from their influence and I can have your ear, then you can have proper instruction, then your life can be changed. Then I can set you on course. Then you can be a finisher. But as long as you have contrary, contrary advice in your ears from those you count dear, those you're emotionally tied to, we're talking spiritual warfare. And I don't necessarily think that they mean evil. They just don't have godly counsel. Just because you're tight with people, just because somebody is right with you, just because somebody is close with you, just because you have a long history, you know, I've been with them longer than I've been with you. I don't care how long you've been with them. It doesn't mean that their influence is godly. Trying to tell you how to be a finisher. Amen. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 42. Well, yeah, Jeremiah chapter 42. You have to challenge the things that you hear. Do you hear me? You have to challenge the things that you hear. It's called having an active mind. That means you can't be passive-minded. You can't have that inactive mind. That mind that just... <sighs> you can't be gullible. <laughs> I think we said that once before. The enemy loves your naivete. Oh, because they love me, their advice must be good. You must try the spirits. Whether they be of God or no. 
Again, it doesn't mean that they don't love you, but Jonadab was subtle. The enemy is deceptive. Jeremiah, what did I tell you to turn to? 42. When you find godly counsel, I want to make sure you understand this. Know this. It's not always pleasant. Oh, nobody said amen on that one. Uh, Let me say it again. When you find godly counsel, know this about godly counsel. Godly counsel will not always be favorable to you. You know, that's when it's not pleasant. That doesn't favor me and what I want to do. That's called not pleasant. Godly counsel will not always be pleasant. Why? Because godly counsel always comes with correction. It's built into godly counsel. Because after all, if the representatives are his, and if he is a good father, he chastens, he corrects them that he loves. So don't make the mistake of thinking it's godly counsel because it favors me. And it can't be godly counsel because it doesn't favor me. Grow up. You've got to grow up. I'm sorry, but that's shallow. That's childish. To throw a tantrum because they didn't tell you, okay, you can eat all the cookies you want. Who needs vegetables? I want cookies. That's childish. So, so don't think that, hey, if it's favorable to me, then that must be God. Godly counsel comes with correction. And I want to emphasize this, right? Because teaching demands correction. Teaching does. And it demands correction because of change. (laughs) Correction comes so that you might change. And I want to let you know you need to change. I'm perfect the way I am. You need to change. I don't see that much wrong. You need to change. Because I guarantee you, think back, for those of you who have grown any, not those of you who have digressed, but those of you who have grown, think back 10 years. Aren't you glad you changed? Aren't you glad you changed? And I guarantee you, there must have been correction along the road to change. Now, some of us let life, let instruction correct us, while others of us let life correct us, and I'd rather have the instruction than life to correct me. Change is inevitable, but God doesn't change. You with me? Change is inevitable, but God doesn't change. Change comes to you because without change, we would never get position for God's promise. Never will get position for God's promise. <laughs> Amen. I want to make sure you understand this. There is a reason why Israel had to go through the wilderness. God had to get Egypt out of them. But at the other end of the wilderness, there was a promise. And God says, now I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to bring you out. But you can't enter in without change. 
So God doesn't change. We need to. And God gives instructions that we might have the change that gets us in position to receive his promise. Oh, you're missing it, aren't you? When is the move of God done? When his will is accomplished, the promise is delivered. But that promise will not be delivered if you despise the correction. And it's not because God is not faithful. It's because you would not allow yourself to have the change God wants you to have to put you in that position. Why did they die in the wilderness? Was it not because of their unbelief? There is no change without correction. And in the absence of correction, there's the absence of care. <laughs> if there's no correction, there is no care. Now here it is. Here I am, a father. And let's say, whatever experience I had, I had this experience and almost got killed. And then I see my son doing the exact same thing. And keep my mouth shut. That's not love. There is no care there. Correction says you need to change because if you don't change, there's no good waiting for you. Amen. In the absence of correction, that's the absence of a care. Those who won't correct you, they don't really care for you. Amen. They don't care for you. They see you headed for danger and keep their mouth shut. That's somebody who doesn't care. Again, I just want to make sure you understand because the enemy wants you to despise godly counsel. And what you will like is, what you will not like is to be corrected. But you need correction because you need to be changed. And you can't have the promise without the change. And God wants you to have the promise so he knows you need the change so he's going to give you the correction. It comes with godly counsel. I'm sorry, but, but what did I say at the onset? I don't care how seasoned you are, you need instruction. Instruction without correction is no good. You see, some of you think I'm talking to the young adults. I'm talking to you old folks. You think you've been somewhere. You think you've done some things. You think that you have enough skins on the wall that you can tell others without being told yourself. And you're the one who needs change. God has been trying to correct you for a long time. And you're about to eat the fruit of your decisions. Let me keep moving forward. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 42. Are you there? Hmm. Let me read this real quick. Teaching is instruction with correction. That's what teaching is. Instruction and then correction. And with the instruction, there should come an assignment. There should be an assignment in the instruction. And eventually, whoever's being instructed is going to have to go and do the assignment. And when they do the assignment, the expectation is not that you're going to get everything perfect. The expectation is that you're learning. Because you're learning, you will need to be corrected. And the correcting enables you to get it more perfected. 
Now, now, let me say this. Let me say this, especially for some of you parents who are holding on too tight. Remember the experience of riding a bicycle. You will instruct a child. And then eventually the assignment has to be given. You're going to have to ride, baby. You have to pedal yourself. I'm going to have to let go. And you're going to have to. And what do we expect to happen? Do we expect them to get it? The first time we let go, we expect them to fall. But we understand this. If we don't let them fall, they'll never be able to ride alone. So, so I want to tell you, parents who hold on so tight, you can't do everything for your children. Eventually, you're going to have to give them the assignment and step back. Well, and I know you're afraid. I don't want my baby to fall. They're going to have to fall if they're going to be able to make it without you. And you won't always be around. And remember, if you want to finish, you have to have it in good position. Strong condition to carry on without you. And if anybody should be in position to receive what you have, to give, that it can be carried on, it ought to be your children. But correction received enables you to move forward, to go further. To not have to take the same test over again. Because <laughs> you keep failing. Because you won't receive correction. That's, that is one of the sources of the cycles of our life. Because you would not receive correction the first time. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 42. Verse number one. Then all the captains of the forces, and Johanan the son of Kareah, and Jezaniah the son of Hoshea, and all the people from the least even unto the greatest came near, and said unto Jeremiah the prophet. Now, Jeremiah is the prophet, so he represents godly ordained or God ordained instruction. Because remember, Believe in the Lord, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Oh, I like that. I like that. Because that goes with choices. Remember, God gives you the choice. He doesn't give you the outcome. But in Second Chronicles, he lets you know, here's how you get the outcome if you make this choice. If you believe his prophets, then the outcome will be prosper. So let me tell you about these people. I won't get into the details, but they just had a life-changing experience. So they are at a crossroads. See, y'all don't, don't even know how to put messages together. Remember? Because there are only a few select times in your life where you hit a crossroads. And at that crossroads, God is going to give you a choice. So they're at a, a crossroads moment. And they do wisely. They say, you know what? At the crossroads, let's find godly counsel. So they said unto Jeremiah the prophet, Let we beseech thee, our supplication, be accepted before thee, and pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant. For we are left but a few of many, as thine eyes do behold us. That the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk, and the thing that we may do. Then Jeremiah the prophet said unto them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words. And it shall come to pass, 
that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will keep nothing back. Then they said to Jeremiah, The Lord be true and faithful witness between us, if we do not even according to all things for the which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us. Whether it be good or whether it be evil. See, they understand some things. They can't just assume godly counsel is going to be in their favor. Whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send thee, that it may be well with us. See, see they, even, they are even saying out of their mouth, we want a good outcome. So we're going to choose godly counsel. That it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. Now jump over to chapter 43. So here he is. They're at a crossroads. They find the prophet. They say, believe in the Lord and we'll be established. Believe his prophets and we're going to prosper. So prophet, go to God for us because we want to prosper. And whatever you say, whether good or evil, we will do that, we, that it may be well with us. Chapter 43. And it came to pass that when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking unto all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, who which the Lord their God had sent him to them, even all these words. Then spake Azariah the son of Hosea and Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the proud men saying unto Jeremiah, Thou speakest falsely. I mean, he, he can just stop right there, like, You lying thing. We thought you were a prophet. And we said, we, But you, you, giving us counsel like that, you can't be a prophet. Mm-hmm. Saying, I think again, Thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt to sojourn there. Now, now, now you understand what this is about. They're in a desolate place. Oh my goodness, this is good. They're in a desolate place. And they're like, God, should we stay or should we go? And the prophet comes back and says, stay. And they're like, do you see where we live? That can't be God. Wow. Let's, let's go back. Jump back to chapter 42. So you see what they cried out for. They cried out for counsel. But they didn't want counsel. They wanted something in their favor. And God does not work that way. Verse 7. And it came to pass, verse, I mean, chapter 42, verse 7. And it came to pass after ten days that the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. Then called he Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces which were with him, and all the people from the least even to the greatest, and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom ye sent me to present your supplication before him. If ye will still abide in the land. Oh, do you get that word? If you just abide. If you just stand still. If you just trust God. Even though there's desolation around you. Even though you think you can't make it if these things aren't built up. You need to settle the issue. You need to trust God. If you will still abide in this land, then will I build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Be not afraid of the kings of Babylon, of whom ye are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord. For I am with you to save you and to deliver you from this hand, from his hand. And I will show mercies unto you that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. But if you say, we will not dwell in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, no, but we will go into the land of Egypt, 
where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread, and there will we dwell. You see what's going on? Look at the land we live in. There's poverty. We don't, have the st- we don't even have good running water. We have outhouses. They have nice bathrooms in Egypt. They got fine restaurants and fine living in Egypt. But God, if you say stay here, we'll stay here. But God knows. 16. So, so you go there thinking you're going to get that. 16 says, then it shall come to pass that the sword which you fear shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine whereof you were afraid shall follow close after you. Let me tell you this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Remember, sometimes all it is is a decision. All it is is a choice. You make the wrong choice, there will be fruit behind the wrong choice. You make the choice, you eat the fruit. And, but here's the thing about God. Let me tell you, I, I got to stop, I got to stop. But I want to tell you this. In my mind, this is probably the worst choice you can make. To choose ungodly counsel when godly counsel was afforded you. I got to stop. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.